peace what's in them into the house. And uh, I'm just going to ask you to pray for me okay. and pray for this, uh, this, this message. All right. Thank you. And I'm going to ask you to lay hands on me because I okay. got the presence of Father, God. we thank you, Lord, for your thank goodness, you, your graciousness. Uh, for giving us understanding and wisdom and knowledge. And God, this, this is what you have done. You take us to places where we cannot figure out. We cannot say, I know what's going on. It just goes down to faith in you, Lord. And it was faith towards God. And uh, that faith towards God gives us a great um, oversight of what you're doing in our lives when we have faith towards you i ask today that david would have the faith lord that the grace and the goodness and the understanding would come out in him in every which way in jesus name we pray amen, amen. yeah appreciate you buddy all right well today uh i believe you're gonna get a insight into where you're at with God and why you're there and where he wants to take you. So that's worth the trip right there, I think. When I was talking with Pastor Tom earlier this week, uh, we discussed some of the different things that uh, one could, or he wanted me to minister on. There's a reason why I have this, and you'll find out a little bit later. Some of you probably already know, but you're going to find out just a little bit later. So I'm going to stick this in, I think. It's a little tough, but there, here we go. Put it right there. So I was going to speak to you this morning, minister to you on uh, the Holy Spirit baptism. I think that's something that's somewhat lost, but I'm not going to go th all the way through the message because there's some truths in there that we need to hear and we need to stop at one particular point in time and then move into that area of understanding. Um, now, see, here's the thing. I sometimes I'm, I, I, I stop like that because sometimes I'm hearing something on the inside and then I'm hearing myself on the outside and I want to listen to what's going on on the inside. Um, yeah, okay, we'll get to that right now then. As I was waiting on the Lord, Acts 1.8 says, but you shall receive power after that. The Holy Ghost has come upon you. And uh, there's uh, two Greek words, enkrio and ekrio. En means in, ek means upon. We have the Holy Spirit within, but we also have at times the Holy Spirit upon. There's a big difference. Jesus said this, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, ekrio, because he has anointed me. So you see... Um, there's times where you always walk around with the Holy Spirit inside of you because you've received the witness of the Spirit. And, and I just like asking theological questions that make people's brains tilt a little bit and makes you go home and wonder about it. But when you receive Christ, did you receive the Holy Spirit or did you receive the Spirit of Christ? There's one to think about. Well, the truth of the matter is, because of the Trinity, it's, it's, it's both. You receive the same Spirit that's in Christ, but you receive the witness of the Spirit. But there was an additional experience following that that we know about where they received the infilling of the Holy Spirit. But then there's times when they went to minister and Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. And if you, if you want to have the Spirit of the Lord upon you, the only thing you have to do is find a because. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because. He doesn't anoint people sitting at home wanting to do stuff for him. He anoints people getting out doing stuff for him. You know, I remember one time I was in this upper room, I'd go in there and I, the church had this offices and I'd get up early in the morning and I'd go there and sing and dance with my tambourine because 
Uh, one, nobody wanted to hear me sing but God, you know. And then the second thing, I couldn't play anything but a tambourine, and even that was out of tune. But, uh, you know, it was delightful in the heart of the Lord, and I, I felt called to the ministry, but how do you go into the ministry? There's no manual to that. So I just went right into the presence of God and pressed into Him and prayed and fasted and sought Him and t just figured no point trying to serve God if you can't hear His voice. And that's the first thing we have to do is when we wake up every morning is, is seek the voice of God. But most of us have routines that take us away from that. We'll grab our cell phone. We'll start looking at other things. We'll turn on the TV. We'll, we'll do everything that, that will captivate our heart, but we won't go to the one who should captivate our heart, you see. And so if we, if we don't get some new routines, we're never going to experience anything new with God than what we've already got. But I tell you what, I want to be at some new places with God. I want to walk deeper with God than ever before. So the Lord's been challenging me about making some adjustments because, you know, the old saying, if you just do what you've always done, you're going to have what you've always had. And I, I like what I have, but when I look at him, I know he's got so much more and it makes me dissatisfied because I want more of him. And that will require less of me. But 2 Peter 1 and 2 says, Holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. I'd like to see some preaching, more preaching nowadays, where people are moved by the Holy Ghost. It's good that we have notes, and many people are anoint, uh, noted preachers, but they're not anointed preachers. And notes are good, but if the Holy Spirit wants to move you off of them, I was just telling uh, one of our dear brothers today, one of the elders of the church here, Danny, as I was running home to get my laptop, because there were some things on there, I said, you know, Pastor Rod Parsley, he had Oral Roberts at his, uh, his church to minister. And they were sitting there having a little cup of coffee beforehand. And he says, what, what you going to preach on, Brother Roberts? And he had a little napkin that he'd have his coffee on. He took out his pen. He said, well, I'm just getting my message now. And so he wrote his message on that, that napkin that had a coffee stain on it. And he went up and threw it in the pulpit and he preached and the power of God came. Brother Parsley came by later on and he took that thing and he framed it and he put it in his office, you know. And I think sometimes we can try to get so polished and so professional that God doesn't have a chance to show up in the church because we want everybody to see us. And, and it's about Jesus. It's always about Jesus. And so... Another translation says, men of God spoke as they are moved by the Holy Spirit. Other translations said, inspired by the Holy Ghost. Inspired. What inspires you? What inspires you? We have to ask this. Another translation says, carried along by the Holy Ghost. Another translation says, these holy men of God spoke being compelled. Compelled by the Holy Ghost. Compelled. Compelled. Another one says, they spoke under the impulse of the Holy Ghost. They were guided by the Spirit of God. It says they spoke the message that came from God. The message that came from God. And you know, it's not just on Sunday mornings that we should have a message that comes from God, but the Bible says we should be ever ready to give an answer for the hope that is within us. We should always have a message of God at the workplace and at the supermarket and wherever it may be. That's one of the things, you know, that we need, people need to hear is a message from God. They need to hear from God. That's one of the things I've been praying for is more of the revelatory gifts of the Spirit. So when I'm at work and someone's talking to me, I can say, well, so how's your mother? Oh, 
Oh, yeah, well, fine. Why do you ask? Well, apparently she's, she's got uh, diabetes or cancer or this. And, and he said, well, how do you know? God showed me. Wouldn't that get people's attention? Thank you very much. I appreciate that, brother. And so, spoke under the impulse of the Holy They were God, spoke the message that came from God. Spoke under the influence of God. You know, you can get arrested for driving under the influence. Well, we should be people living under the influence. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit of God. We should be under the influence of the Spirit of God. They spoke under the influence. Another translation, the God's Word translation says they spoke under God's direction. That's always a good thing. And then they spoke Darby Bible translation. I don't even know who he is, never met him. But he said this, they spoke under the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit. Our words are like containers. Think of every word you send out like a bucket. What's in it? Flesh, faith, woe, pity, love, faith. Power. Acts 4.13. Now, as they observed the confidence of Peter and John, it's always good to speak with confidence, and they understood that they were uneducated and untrained men. King James says that they were unlearned, ignorant. How do you like people that remember you that way? Ah, those guys are unlearned and ignorant. But you know what? Even though these theologians at the time they looked at them and said, they're uneducated and untrained, yet they were amazed and began to recognize something about them. And you know what that is. They had been with Jesus. And there's the challenge for us. Do people recognize that we've been with Jesus? Do they recognize that they've been with Jesus? Jesus. Now, just because you might have a, a shirt, t-shirt that says Jesus freak, or you might have a beanie that has a little propeller on top that says Jesus, doesn't necessarily mean that people will recognize you've been with him. And so 2 Timothy 1.7 says, for God's not given us the spirit of timidity or fear, but of what? You know, if you guys were a battery, I couldn't even get a dim wit coming out of my flashlight there. I'll try it again and give you another opportunity. God's not given us a spirit of timidity or fear, but of Okay, we're halfway there. And love and a sound mind. Another translation of a sound mind says a disciplined mind. You know, the things that we desire from God are not beyond our desires. They're beyond our disciplines. Well, I want to get up early and seek you, God. There's a good desire. Alarm goes off. I mean, we roll over it. No discipline. So the things many times we want from God are not beyond our desires. They're beyond our disciplines. You say, well, are you preaching this to make me feel bad? No, I'm preaching this to make you feel convicted. There's a big difference. Well, if I feel convicted... Uh, then I'll feel bad. No, the word conviction means to be convinced. 
I want to convince you that there's a higher, better way, that there's more for you. I, I want to, blessed are those that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. You, you know, man of God, I'll tell you what, the, I, I've been on the earth for a while, and I've come to this conclusion. There's no greater gift for a Christian than to be hungry for God. No greater gift. No greater gift. I got to have you, Lord. I got to have you. I got to have you. I got to have you. Like a junkie needs a fix. I got to have you. And then when you do get in his presence, then people say, well, they began to recognize they've been with Jesus. Wouldn't that be something when your grandkids come along and they, I love you, Grandma. I just sense God. Would you pray for me, Grandma? Grandma, would you pray for me? Why? I always sense God when you pray for me. You know. So, uh, here's something that, where I sort of think we're at as a body of Christ in the earth right now. And then especially in this nation. Mark 4.38, this isn't even, this is a big introduction, I guess. But it's going to all tie together. It says, he, Jesus, was in the hinder part of the ship. He was, sleep, he was on the back, asleep on a pillow. And it says, uh, you, we know the story, right? There's a big storm. They're going to cross over to the other side. Now, didn't Jesus say to them, we're going to cross over to the other side? He did. So a big storm came and they thought, well, we better wake them up. But hold it. They already had the word of God. We're going over to the other side. Doesn't matter how big it's going to get. If you've got a word from God, it doesn't matter what storm comes into your life. You hold on to that word of God. If he says you're going somewhere, you're going. So then they got into fear and didn't stay into faith. And a little bit like Peter, they looked at the waves instead of keeping their eyes on Jesus. And so they says they wake him. King James. In other words, they woke him up and said unto him, Master, carest not that we perish? <clears throat> I'm going to bring it into the vernacular of the now. He, they basically said to him, don't you care? We're going, we're in, the, you're sleeping. We're fighting this storm. We're all going to die. Don't you care? Have you ever had something happen in your life? Will you feel like saying, God, why did this person die? Why did I lose this job? Why did that marriage break up? Why did I get hurt? Why did I fall and crack my head? Why? Don't you care? And here's the thing. People think God's asleep. He's not asleep. He's just resting. He's, the Bible says God's not a God that neither sleeps nor slumbers. But he doesn't get all wound up like we do. He just rests. I have a feeling Jesus sort of knew it was going on, you know. And they said, don't you care? Well, how many of us have ever said that? Let's not forget what he said. We're going over to the other side, though. We got precious promises. And here's the beautiful thing about Jesus. He didn't care, really. He did care, but he didn't because he knew he gave him a word. But here's the thing. Uh, do you think Jesus knew his destiny? So do you think he was a little concerned about drowning with the rest of them at that day? No, he says, I know from whence I came and whence I go. He knew his call. He knew his destiny. He knew he had to be that final sacrifice upon the cross 
of Golgotha. He knew he had to be the, 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 the lamb, the final lamb, if you would, that was slain for the world. So here's the beautiful thing. If you know what you're about and where you're going, what happens in between is unconsequential. It's, it, it, it's just, it's an inconvenience. Pastor Tom falling, he could have died. Or he could have been incapacitated for life. But apparently, God had a still need of him. And he restored him. And you may have fallen, and you may have banged something or broken something. It's amazing how many Christians, there's something broken inside of me. Well, he heals not just our physical body, but he heals our broken hearts. He heals our mind. He'll heal, heal our past because we have a future. And then here's the interesting thing. In Luke chapter 9, verse 32, it says Jesus was in the garden. He had a place to pray. They knew where to find him. And he was in there praying. And the disciples fell asleep. Well, in the first one, we saw Jesus was asleep. Now we're seeing that the disciples are asleep. And uh, then it says that uh, Peter and they that were with him were heavy with sleep. It says when they were awake, it says that they saw the glory of God because they saw the transfiguration, right? Then those characters are like, hey, we'll build some tents for you guys. Wow. But anyway... <laughs> yeah, you know, talk about being in a mindset. But, uh, you know, when they woke up, the Bible says they saw the glory of God. Maybe, I'm just going to propose this thought, maybe we're not seeing the glory of God like we should because maybe to some degree we're asleep at the wheel here spiritually. And in the first part, God had to wake up. And in the second part, man had to wake up. Well, we know the problem's usually not with God. But here we see that God was awake and they were awake. Why is that important? Well, I'll tell you why it's important. What if only one of the two were awake? And what I mean by that is, if you were awake but God was asleep, nothing would happen, right? Nothing's going to happen without God. And if God were awake but you were sleeping, you couldn't notice anything happening because you're asleep. Sometimes I think God is moving in our midst, but we're asleep to what he's doing. And we miss it. We say, God ain't doing nothing. Well, wake up. <laughs> wake up. What it's a prayer is like this. Instead of saying, God, you ain't doing nothing in my life. Why not say, God, help me to see what you're doing in my life? Because you're always doing something. Yes. See, I try to wake up every day expectant because faith has an attitude it's expecting to receive like the, the lame man at the at the at the gate right uh, he was expecting hey I, I need something he was expecting them to give him something the pool of Bethesda the man was expecting otherwise he wouldn't have hung around there you know we need to wake up every day expecting to see the goodness of God and guess what you'll see what you see is what you'll be so we see here, 
on, on that day, if Peter and those that were with him wouldn't wake up, they wouldn't see God's glory. And how much of God's glory do we miss because we're in a spiritual state of sleep? So, let's wake up. Let's wake ourselves up. It seems that the first key to anything happening spiritually within our midst is waking ourselves up and waking up God. Well, what do you mean by waking up God? God doesn't sleep. By this, I mean this. Bringing ourselves to such a state so as to garner God's attention. It's interesting, and I was thinking about this, how God would wake, uh, or God would come down with Adam and Eve, and he'd walk with them in the cool of the garden every day. But after the fall, we don't read about that happening anymore. So obviously, sin separates us from God. We know that. But so does lukewarmness and carnality. So it's very simple. I used to say uh, good theologians make difficult things simple and not so good theologians make difficult thing, or easy things difficult trying to look like a genius. And it's, it's really not that hard. If you want more of God, give him more of you. Well, what do you mean by give him more of you? Well, I mean this. Did you know that the average person, if they pass away at 65 and some live longer, Statistics show they will have watched 10 hours, no, pardon me, 10 years, 24-7, 10 years of television. And now with the phones and everything, they'll have spent four years, four solid years, 24, that's on, their, on Facebook and things like this on their cell phone. That's 14 years. 14 years. Redeem the time for the days are evil. 14 years. How many of us living on our, uh, on our, on our deathbed said, oh God, Give me more time. I gave you 14 years. So even if you cut your time in half, I'm not saying go cold turkey. That's entirely up to you. I'm just challenging you with this thought. Of even if you cut your time in half, you'd gain seven years. What would you do with seven years? What could you do for the kingdom of God? How could you know God better? What could you put into other people with seven more years? You don't think about it when you're young, but you start getting a little older. You start thinking about seven more years sounds pretty good to me. You start realizing that the greatest thing you have in life is time. Benjamin Franklin said this, does thou love life? Then thou loves time, for time is the thing that life is made out of. When someone spends time with me, I usually say to them at the end, thank you for spending a portion of your life with me. That's what they did. They took a portion of their life and they gave it to me. They gave me their time. They gave me a portion of their life. Wow, what an investment. Thank you very much. And, 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 you know, we can always make more money, but it's tough to make more time sometimes, especially once it's spent. So, you're walking through the mall or somewhere else, and you say to somebody, what are you doing? Oh, I'm just wasting some time before I got to go. Don't waste time. Redeem it. It's all precious. Okay, so, there's a, and, and the word convict, the Holy Spirit will convict or convince us of truth and of righteousness. And the funny thing is here, what I just said, probably as many people are in this room, it elicited it, that different response because God may be dealing with you about this and about this and about this and about that. And that's the beautiful thing, how one message, the Holy Spirit, can make it personal to each and every one of us because he loves us so much and he wants to be intimate with us. And so he shows us those areas. And so, you know, Diane knows this last, uh, since Pastor Tom spoke with me uh, about sharing, one of the things I tried to do is just get sort of locked away with God a little bit more. 
Because I felt, you know, you didn't really need to hear from me, but you really needed to hear from the heart of God. And um, it's, it's, it's important. It's important. And, and I think, Lord, when's the last time uh, I had a 10-day fast? Hmm, it's been a while. That's a, that's a long time. When's the last time I had a three-day fast? When's the last time I even had a fast? I eat fast. You know, I mean, you know, what is it, Lord? You know, I believe in fasting twice a day. Uh, right after breakfast between lunch and then right after lunch between lunch and supper. I, I, I fast twice a day. I'm not sure that qualifies, but you can go for it if you want, you know. We're so funny. But, you know, the thing is, you know, uh, just to be in his presence means sometimes, you see, here's the thing. I like what somebody said. We want to hear the still small voice of God, but God doesn't always speak in a still small voice he just why don't you look at it like this maybe we have to get still and small enough to hear his voice you know uh, David wrote a lot of psalms didn't he you know when he was out there with the sheep you know he was on Facebook we all know that he was on Facebook he was talking with his buddies he had his iPad he's watching YouTubes I don't even know how he found the time to write what he did or, you can only talk to the sheep so much. You know, and they always say the same thing. Yeah, oh, change your tune. So, and, and you know, well, yeah, but he was killing a bear and he was killing a, a lion. Then he killed the giant. Listen, he didn't watch the sheep for two days and one day he killed the bear and the next day he killed the lion. This was years and years and years. He, he had some exciting moments. But for the most part, it was pretty quiet out there with the sheep. And then there's him and God. You can't see where I'm going with this? Sometimes we just got to get quiet and get alone with God. You know, the other day I stood outside and I looked up at the stars and I saw Orion. That's a constellation, Orion's belt. Do you know the Bible mentions Orion? Yeah. And that was way before I got here, too. It's interesting. Did you know that God first wrote the word of God in the stars? That's why he chose Abram. And then the Greeks turned him into constellations. Interesting. Virgo, the virgin. Uh, uh, it's amazing. There's serpents. And then there's a heel crushing his head. Hmm, sounds very familiar to the book of Genesis. It's, it's just interesting. But until you get out there, away from the TV, whatever it is, and you know what? We, we all get guilty of that, but let's just ask the Holy Spirit if we should make any changes to sharpen our relationship with him, to deepen our relationship with him, to become more sensitive to what he might have for us, for us to smell a little bit more like heaven and a little bit less like earth, to get to the point where people recognize that we have been with Jesus. So bringing ourselves into a state so as to garner his attention, what do I mean by this? How does one pursue such a noble task that results in a glory that can be beheld, that is seen 
and tangibly experienced. You see, I had this chair in Minot, North Dakota. It was a wingback chair, and I loved it because when I would get into it to pray, I could put my hands up on the wings on each side. I wouldn't get tired, you know. <laughs> and I could sit in there, and I'd lean back. And many times at night, if I felt the Lord lead me, get up. I'd, I'd go down, and I'd sit in that chair, and I'd just begin to pray. And sometimes I would just sit because I felt like the Lord saying, well, why don't you come? Spend some time with me. When everybody else is awake, you know, as a pastor, it, like, pastor, can you meet me here? Can you counsel me? Can You, you got a meeting you got to go to. You, got, you, you get busy. So God, a lot of times, might be just wake you up in the middle of the night and say, would you spend some time with me too? You've been pretty busy all day, <laughs> you know. And, and why go into the day? The Bible says Jesus woke up a great well before the day. Well, I might be tired. Well, you might be. If you go back to bed, but you probably won't be if you're doing the will of God, because you ever been tired and you say, oh, God, I'm so tired. Please give me strength. Anybody ever prayed that prayer? Anybody else lying? OK, we've all prayed that prayer, right? Yeah, it's like, God, I need strength. Anybody? Let's let's just have a chance. OK, we've all prayed that prayer. Lord, help me. Well, did you know the English word energy comes from the Greek word energeio? It means the energy of the Holy Spirit. And that when we say, God, I'm so tired, I need you to help me. That's why Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, who gives me the energy, the energeio. That's why others have wrote, I can run through a troop and leap over a wall. Why is that? Because the power of God, the energy of God is upon me. That's why you can be like 400 years old and still preaching the gospel. You know, they say, you know, I thought I wanted to live to 101. Then somebody reminded me I could go to 120. I was like, let's do it. You know, how would you like to have, be that? Uh, our guest speaker today is 119 years old. Look at him run. <laughs> I would like that. How does he do that? Depends. I'm, just, well, I'm sorry. We're just kidding. Anyway. <laughs> Some of you are going to get it. But anyway, but, you know, here's the thing. I, I just realized that God will give us energy. God will give us energy. So if you're tired, that's... See, I'd like to know not just what God's going to do. The children of Israel, the Bible says, saw his works, but, but who was it? Moses knew his ways. I'd rather know the ways of God than just the works of God. You know, I don't know why my mind works this way other than the fact that God made it. But my folks got me a little alarm clock one time. And I decided I needed to open it to see how it worked. Trouble is, I needed a hammer to do it, you know, because I didn't have the right tools. And then I found there's a whole bunch of gears and other stuff and springs. And when that stuff comes out, it's a little tough to put it back in. It's like gutting a fish and then trying to put it all back in and let them swim away. It ain't going to happen. And so I thought, well, what do I do with all this now? I know, I'll just make a mobile and I'll hang it from my lights, you know. <laughs> so here's the thing. You know, we, we should inquire of the Lord. How do you do stuff? He'll show you. He'll show you. How do I get out of debt? He'll show you. You know, healing is not just for your physical body. It's for your finances too. It's for your mind. You know, he'll show you these things. So... We talk about, oh, should I? Okay. Uh, yeah, okay. Uh, I'm going to have to go here real quick. Um, 
Tom, we're going to advance some of these slides here a bit. Let's go, we're going to talk about the Holy Ghost, and we'll go past one, uh, two, let's go to, um, let's go to slide 10, if you would, real quick. The doctrine of baptisms. Okay, here's the thing. We know that the Bible talks about baptism, but it says baptisms, plural, more than one. And most denominations have been pretty happy just to recognize water baptism. Awesome. But that's one of. Now, most people would say, well, you see, we're, we're a non-denominational church, but I'm going to be really honest with you. Uh, we have Pentecostal and charismatic roots, okay? And we say we're non-denominational. Why? Because we recognize that's basically the body of Christ as a whole. Some come from Baptist backgrounds, some come from Catholic backgrounds, some Church of Christ. And, and the thing is, we're all part of the body of Christ. So what do we call ourselves? Well, we're, we're non-denominational because first and foremost, we're children of God, we're Christians, little Christos, little Christ-like ones, little anointed ones. But since men has to try to wrap their head around us and find out who we are, we'll just call ourselves non-denominational, interdenominational. Okay, so Barna Research many years ago did a survey as to who were the best theologians out there by virtue of teaching and understanding the Word of God. And hey, I'm just happy to say that it was the Charismatics and the Pentecostals. Why? Because most denominations, God bless them all, they want you to have an understanding of God, they want you to have an understanding of Jesus, but they're not sure what to do with that third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. And so we've spent a little bit more time exploring the person of the Holy Spirit. Does that make us better? No. Does that make us more accountable for what we know? Yes. Okay. So, uh, the believer's baptisms, number one is the baptism of repentance. And I go over this so that you will have this information. What do you, and then we're going to get into a little bit. The, the baptism of repentance in Luke 3.3, 3, we won't read these, but if you read about it, the word baptized means to be immersed or immersion, to be put under. And when somebody preaches you the gospel, I remember as a 12-year-old kid, hearing Billy Graham. Now, I had already received Jesus at 12 years of age through uh, my friend's uh, father, Mennonite gentleman, and, uh, but then they took me to a Billy Graham crusade, and I thought, man, I was so under conviction from what I heard, I better make sure I'm saved, you know? I was, but I didn't have any understanding, but I was immersed. I was under conviction, and that led to a repentance. So it's called the baptism of of repentance. Most people don't know about that. And that's exactly what happens to you. You get under conviction. You repent. It's a form of baptism because you're immersed, but then you come forth with a repentant heart receiving Christ. Next is baptism of water. That usually follows receiving Christ. And that's where you're making your outward uh, declaration of the inward change and your desire to affiliate yourself uh, uh, as a Christian. Then the next is the baptism into the body. What, what exactly is that? 
While at the time of the water baptism, you're also showing that you want to immerse yourself into the body of Christ as a follower of Christ. And the church typically receives you and starts training you and releasing that which God has inside of you and giving you some responsibilities. Some of my first responsibilities were cutting the pastor's lawn, watching his kids, shoveling his snow, scrubbing out toilets, uh, hanging up people's jackets when they came in and out. And there's nothing wrong with that because you do all things to the glory of God. <clears throat> then we have number four, the Holy Ghost baptism, which we were going to look at, but we're not going to get to that today because God had some other things he wanted to place in our hearts. You know, I can give all these. There's actually 71 slides in this. You're not going to get them today. All right. And, uh, but you know, everybody, yeah, is right. But everybody has their insights. You talk, brother Kenneth E. Hagan, he's going to teach you faith, you know. And then you have other people, uh, T.L. Osborne, who's gone home to be with the Lord. He's going to talk about evangelism and healing and miracles and Reinhard Bonnke and other things like this. And when it comes to the baptism of the Holy Spirit and understanding the Holy Spirit and these, these baptisms, it, it, to me it's easy as falling off a log. It, it's, it's just easy to understand. God made it that way so I can impart it to people. And whenever I've shared about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, in all my ministry there's only one person that never received. And that's because we were standing in the prayer line and I was praying for him and, and not much was happening. And they weren't cooperating with the Holy Spirit or anything. And I said, you don't believe a word of this, do you? And they said, not at all. And I thought, well, that's a waste of my time and theirs. And so off we go. And, you know, the Bible t talks about you go to the fruitful trees. And you can dung a tree for a while. But after a while, you got to move on. If, you, if I've got three people here that are wanting to receive what I have and that guy's no, no, no. I'm not going to waste my time anymore. I'm going to give them an opportunity, but I'm going to move over here and start handing out the sandwiches to the hungry people. All right? So who's in your life you need to move on? So believer's baptism. Then we have the baptism of fire. Most people don't hear about that. Matthew 3.11, Hebrews 12.29. I think this is where most of us quit. <laughs> God starts burning the little stuff out of your life. And we don't want to go into sin, because we know, you know, that wouldn't be pleasing to God. But we're not really pressing into God, so we've sort of found a place of mediocrity where we can call a truce. Right. Truce with the devil, truce with God. We can feel okay, and then other times we don't feel quite okay because we know there's more. But then we go to our TV or wherever it is that numbs our spirit and feeds our flesh and our soul and then that drowns out that little voice saying there's more there's more there's more how about if we just go into a chair somewhere and we say this god i know there's more and i'm tempted to turn on the tv because that's what i always did or i'm tempted to do my youtube or i'm tempted whatever it is and i'm not I, whatever you and god are at but just let it drive us to his presence and just wait and say, I don't know how to seek you, but there's a thing called prevenient grace. It, it, grace, we can come to God through grace, but did you ever have a time where it's like, I don't feel like reading my Bible. I don't feel like praying. I don't feel like going to church. I mean, I don't feel like anything because I'm so numb. But prevenient grace is in those times, God in his grace 
will seek you. But sometimes you just have to sit in a chair and say, here I am. Because he is seeking you. But you've got so many other sounds around you and you're busy. And God's trying to get your attention. And sometimes we just have to stop long enough and say, I don't know how to get you. But I'm here if you want me. And you just wait. And you might fall asleep. And God looks and says, bless his heart. Bless their heart. He loves us so much. Then we have the baptism in the cloud or in the sea, and that's the baptism of Moses, and it basically is a baptism in glory. See, you will never experience the glory of God until you first experience the fire of God. The fire of God's not always a fun place. But it puts a fire in our bones. And then, and then, and then we get to be like in the cloud. Because the, 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 there was the, the children of Israel had the cloud over them. They were immersed under the cloud, under the glory. And we want to see the glory of God in our midst, but we've got to dare the fire baptism and I think that's where the body of Christ is in this nation right now. God is starting to say, fire. That's right, fire. And that's why we have such few fire in the pews, because we don't have a fire in the pulpit anymore. And I'm not referring to any particular place. I'm referring to a condition. And then finally, the baptism power. But you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost comes upon you. See, we get baptized in tongues, and we are happy there to communicate and different things like this. But then God says, okay, now we're going to take you into baptism of fire. Then there's going to be a baptism of glory you're going to see, and then you're going to walk in power. And we want to walk in power. I remember when I was in Africa, they put us into this room, and when we turned back the sheets to go to sleep, it was a hotel. It was nice. It was in uh, Accra, Ghana, but it was all full of bugs. I'm not going to sleep there. So went and sat down in a wooden chair and rolled up my pant legs, kept my shoes on because squish bugs, you know. Don't want to do it in bare feet. I was smart enough. And, uh, but I rolled up my pant legs because I wanted to feel if the bugs were going to crawl up my legs, you know. And then at that time, my wife, she sat down on my lap and she starts crying. I said, well, you can sleep here. And, she, and I says, she starts crying. I said, listen, God doesn't entrust his power to just anybody. You can't overcome a bug. How are you going to overcome a devil? Did my flesh like it? My flesh was along for the ride. Somebody, a Christian the other day said something to me at, at, at work, and I just let him walk off in his ignorance because I thought, why go there? He says, we're a, we're, we're a body, we have a soul, uh, we have a, a soul, and we, we have a spirit. And I thought, yeah, whatever. No, I'm a spirit. I have a soul, and I live in a physical body. 
And though my outward man perish, my inward man is renewed day by day. I live from the inside out. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I cast out devils in the name of Jesus by the Spirit of God, not by my flesh. Our body is a container for the truth that's within us. Some of us just look like ladies and some look like men, but we're spirit. And so we just got to learn to live inside out. Inside information. Now, mostly everything I said here today, y'all know. But I remember taking this business course well back, and there's this thing called the no-do gap. I know, but here's what I do. <laughs> and the more I know and the less I do, the bigger the gap. So the challenge now when we get ready to leave here is we're going to walk out of here knowing stuff. And the Holy Spirit's going to be, what are you going to do with it? Shut up. Get behind me, devil. You know, that's not the devil. That's the Holy Ghost trying to draw you closer to him, trying to put his finger on some things to help you to grow closer to the Lord and be more like him so people can recognize you've been with Jesus. That's what the world needs to see, I think, that we've been with Jesus. Well... I don't know, I sort of feel like it was a smorgasbord and we sort of picked through and grabbed stuff and put it in our plate, you know. Probably left a lot on the, on, the, on the smorgasbord. Like I said, we never even really got into any of this. But there were some things about the baptisms I wanted you to see so that you could understand. The other thing is, okay, I, I forgot about this. I almost forgot about it. Um, well, back I mentioned I wrote a book called Adventures in God. What I really did is I wrote it to give to my kids because I figured someday this life is going to be over and I wanted them to see that you can walk with God. You can know God and you can see God moving in your midst. And then when the grandkids came along, I thought, well, it might be good that they read this too, you know. And I was going to get it printed and everything and God's there like, hey, genius. When he calls me that, I know he's joking and uh it's like hey genius uh why are you gonna get this printed why don't you just send it out in pdf just send a copy to people they can open it up they can print it or just save it on a thumb drive or whatever and i was like you're a genius <laughs> so i've got that book I've read you some things of it. I was going to read some here, but we're going to get ready to go. But I asked Diane if she would take this little sign-up thing, and all I'm going to ask you to do is just put your name and your email address. Okay. This is what it looks like, just a little piece of paper. Just write, print your name, please, because if you write like me, somebody's going to accuse you of your hands being broken. So uh, go ahead and just put your name and your, and your email address. I promise you, I will not sell your email address. I will not spam you. I'll just send you a PDF copy. What it is, is it's basically, it's a page and a half. And then the next one, a page and a half. And each one has a scripture, so you can use it as a devotion. I remember somebody wrote something similar to this called Miracles I Have Seen. And it was an old uh, man of God. And, you know, he was talking about how he needed some money. And he was trusting God. And all of a sudden, when he walked out of the parsonage, $5 bill came rolling up against him from the wind. And he goes, thank you, Lord. You know, just things like this. But I would read those to my children every night. 
you can read most of these to your kids. Oh, you mean most of them? Well, some of them are a little more for adults, like casting out demons and stuff like that. But the thing about that might keep the kids up. But the, but the thing is, is, it's a devotional. It should inspire you. And, uh, and if it blesses you, what I want you to do is send it to other people free of charge. Freely I've received, freely give. Okay, can, can we do that? All right, I hope it would be a blessing to you. If it was, let me know, okay? And uh, let's stand to our feet. And I'm going to turn it over to uh, uh, one of the elders of the church here now, Brother Jeff. He's been patient with us. Um, God bless you. It's been a wonderful day. Did you get something out of this today? Well, praise the Lord then. Thanks, brother. Hallelujah. Oh, sorry. Almost forgot. I have to do this. Oh, what are you going to okay. do now? Yeah, yeah, I asked, I asked for this. Okay, okay. Um, you can stand if you want, but I'm just going to send Okay. I have to, I have to share this. Stand here okay. with me. Okay, what is this? What is this? What's it made out of? Cloth, yeah, there you go. Okay, so, anybody ever heard of prayer cloths? You know, they work. But here, this is why I wanted it. If I was just walking around at my job and all through the week, nothing, nothing spectacular. But I knew that the Spirit of the Lord would come on me today. And that, when the anointing makes the ordinary extraordinary. All right? So, I had an aunt. I was going to read you the story. But basically, I had an aunt diagnosed with cancer. They didn't give her much time. We sent her an anointed prayer cloth. She's still alive, going to have her 90th birthday. She's outliving everybody, even the doctors that told her she wasn't going to make it. So I got this. No, we're not going to raffle it off. No, we're not going to sell it off. <laughs> but what we're going to do is uh, we'll get some scissors. And if you need to send this to someone, you say, listen, I was listening to a man of God. And he said, God's not limited. and He's not through with you. And so I sent you this. And you can look them up and, and, and send them and tell them how anointed prayer cloths work. You can go into a room full of people that smoke and come out smelling like smoke. If I were to put cologne all over this, you'd smell it. Well, I'll tell you what, I believe that the presence and power of God came into this to help people. And so the biggest thing is you have to see God loves us so much. He's looking for anything to move through, anyone to move through to show that he loves people and he's still alive today. So I'm going to leave this here and if you want, you can get a hold of scissors and cut a piece out. And if nobody takes it, I'm taking it with me. Alright? So, you have an opportunity to minister to somebody else. If you have a need, keep it with you. If you know of someone with a need, send it to them. How are we going to see this house filled? Not by passing out, but by reaching out. Hallelujah. Dear Father, we just thank you, God. We thank you for your word, God. We thank you, Lord, that you're the God that is real and alive. That you're the same today as yesterday. Father, you're the God. You're the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, oh God. And I pray as the word has been preached today. Father, as he was speaking and just seeing the word conviction is convinced, I pray, oh God, 
that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, that again, once again, we would be convinced of your word. We'd be convinced about the truth of God for our personal lives. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, we loose your Holy Spirit right there. Father, we loose your Holy Spirit in this room. Father, over our lives. Wow. See, something is shifting and changing in this room. Come on, God is doing something. God is crying out. He's looking for the hungry. I'm telling you, God's about to do some miracle signs and wonders in your life, even this next week. But I, I just keep seeing this thing. But God, what God's greatest desire is, even this week and beyond it, but really just to come in and to love on you, to sit with you, in those quiet times, in those moments where you feel alone, where you feel a little desperate, a little bit hopeless. I'm telling you, say the name of Jesus. Cry out the name of Jesus, because I'm telling you, the presence of the living God is going to come and rest on you. He's going to come and fill you up. And I'm telling you, I really see it. I really feel like there's like physical arms you're going to feel wrap around you. And that which seems so overwhelming, that which seems there's no hope, but you're going to feel hope again. Something's going to rise up in the inside of you because it is by His Spirit. Father, we just release that over our lives. Father, we just ask that this week, Lord, you would, you would give us divine appointments. Divine appointments for salvation, for, for speaking into people's lives. But Lord, we release the miracle signs and wonders that this week, it is not just something we hope for, but it's attainable. It is attainable, Father, because we ask and we shall receive these things because of your word in Jesus name have a great Sunday thank you for coming if anybody needs prayer you come on up yes yes and it's it's I forgot it's it's Josh's birthday today. So yeah. Should we should we embarrass him and sing happy birthday to him? Let's do it. I love it. Ready? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Josh. Happy birthday to you. Woo! Yes. If you need prayer, just come.